Okay, we're going to have some fun today. I have three titles for the lesson. I couldn't decide which one to go with. I, I like one of them more than the other, but uh, anyway, you, you, can, uh, you can zero in on what you think might be uh, the best one for you. First one, the key to being your best, focus. That's option number one. Option number two, how to build your wall. Focus. Chris likes that one. I heard her say that. And then the one I like the most, imagine what you could do if you were focused. So do you get a, a continuity of theme in those three? Focus. What does it mean to be focused? Okay, teens down here, come on. What's it mean to be focused? Yeah. To concentrate on one thing and to work on it. What else? I heard, I heard a, a voice over here, a female voice. Who was it? Not distracted. Okay, good. What else? Focus. Anything else come to mind with focus? Yeah. What do you got? To have a drive, an inner drive. Who do you, uh, who do you know uh, that's focused? You know anybody? Anybody come to mind that's focused? Nobody? <laughs> the girls are down here, nobody. I, I don't know anybody's focused. <laughs> you know anyone in life that's focused? Come on, who's focused? Michael Jordan. Of course, that goes back a few years ago, but uh, yeah, Michael Jordan. Athletes. Athletes in a, in a general sense, you think of an athlete as being focused, right? Who else? You know anybody else that's focused? Yeah. Uh, Jesse Owens, once again, uh, uh, an athlete years ago. I just made a movie about that. Yeah. Someone who's in love. Someone who's in love can be very focused. Very focused. How about some of you adults up there? Anyone? Yeah. Uh, musicians uh, are incredibly focused people sometimes. Stay up late into the night uh, practicing and uh, just enjoying it. You know, it doesn't even seem like practice because they're having uh, such a good time at it. What we're going to see here with Nehemiah in our story today, in, in uh, the story of Nehemiah, is his focus and how it comes in. And hopefully this will be good for you. Nehemiah chapter 6, you there? Okay, verse 1. When word came... To Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall, and not a gap was left in it, though up to that time I had not set the doors in the gates, Sanballat and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me. And so I sent messengers to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great project. And I cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Four times they sent me the same message, and each time I gave them the same answer. Then the fifth time, Sanballat sent his aid to me with the same message, and in his hand was an unsealed letter in which was written, It is reported among the nations, and Geshem says it's true, that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore are building the wall. 
Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to become their king and have appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now this report will get back to the king, so come, let us confer together. I sent him this reply. Nothing like what you said uh, are saying is happening, and you are just making this up out of your mind. They are all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. But I prayed, now strengthen my hands. So you've got some opposition coming on in. They're building the wall. They're having success. They're, they're moving forward. And, and all of a sudden, he gets this request to meet down on the plains of Oh No. He says, oh no, to the plains of oh no, not going there, no way, not going to meet with you. Uh, they, they, uh, they send a letter, an unsealed letter, oh no, it's going to get out to everybody. Everybody is saying that you're building this wall because you have set up a bunch of prophets that are going to proclaim that you are the king and you're rebelling and you're setting up your own kingdom. And of course, his response to that is what? He says, none of that is true. They go on down and, and at the end he just says, listen, they're just trying to frighten us so that we won't do the work and continue what needs to be done. But that one little statement right at the beginning is, is really the illustration of his focus. He says in, uh, in uh, verse, uh, what is it there? Verse 3, so I sent messengers to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great project and I cannot go down. This guy is focused on his life. He's focused on what he's doing. I want you to think, every single one of you here today, what do you want to do? The next five years of your life, what do you want to accomplish? The answer could be as as variant as, as the people in the room. What do you want to do? What do you want to accomplish? We have college students here. Within the next five years, probably, you know, almost every college student should say, You want to what? I want to graduate. We got a lot of teenagers down here. Probably what you want to do is not only graduate, but go from being on the front row here to the back where the college students sit, right? I I want to go to college, or I want to go to a certain college. I want to go to USC, or I want to go to wherever you want to go. I want to have a job where I'm making $100,000 a year. That might have been what you said in your five-year goal, or, or what you want to accomplish. I want to be married. I, I want my kids to be out of the house. <laughs> what do you want to do? What do you want to accomplish? What wall are you trying to build? You know, that was one of my titles there, right? Yeah. Key to building your wall? Focus. <coughs> Nehemiah here is clearly focused on his life. I've got some things that I want to get done. You know, there's an old saying that if you aim at nothing, 
you'll hit it every time. You see, sometimes we look at our life and we wonder, why haven't I done more? Well, maybe right there, you don't need to go any further than right there. You're sort of in this vague haze of, boy, I wish some really nice things would happen to me in my life. I hope that something nice happens to me and I have accomplishments and I have things that I'll be proud of or that my family would be proud of me for. But you can't even say what they are. Nehemiah saying, I am about a great project. He knew exactly what he was trying to do. There was no ambiguity of what he was trying to do. It is clear. It is crystal clear in his mind. I am building this wall. And I'm not meeting with you in the plains of Ono. And I don't care what Geshem said. And I don't care what all the gossip is and the scuttlebutt going around. I'm not interested in that. I'm busy. I've got something I'm doing. And I'm focused in my life. I want to encourage you. You need to get something that you want to do. What are you trying to do? If you're trying to do, if you have no idea what you're trying to do, then you're going to look around after a week, a month, a year, a five year period of time. You're going to say, well, what did I do? What did I accomplish? Is there anything that I did? Can I hang my hat on anything that I said, this is what's important to me. And what's important to you may not be important to the person next to you. It isn't important that the person next to you is happy with what you want to do. It's important that you're happy with what you want to do. You know what you want to do. You know where you want to go. You know what you want to accomplish. And then you have started the process of being focused. At least there's something you can say, this is what I want. This is where I'm going. This is what I want to accomplish in my life. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Some of you are looking at me like you think I'm talking Spanish up here or something. <laughs> this is the English service. You know, Spanish is over there. You've got, to, you've got to say, okay, this is what I want. This is what I want to go for. This is where my, my, my focus is going to be. And at the end of this, he prays, God, strengthen my hands. Clearly here, what he's doing is not just something where it's all about him. It's not about all, uh, uh, you know, I I want to be a millionaire. Well, why do you want to be a millionaire? So I can buy stuff. (laughs) Well, you know, that might be a goal that a person might have, but it's not necessarily a very spiritual goal. It's not, it's not a goal that, that uh, has a spiritual aspect to it. It has just a very selfish aspect to it. Well, I want to do this so I can lavish, you know, my favorite love affair. Me. <laughs> you know, if that's where you're at, then I would urge you to realize, uh, you know, you're certainly not at all in concert with the teachings of Jesus about life. Right. And the importance of life and things that are really important. So this is a spiritual thing he's going after. He's got a spiritual goal in his mind. He's trying to honor God with his life. And he is focused. Now this idea of focus is not something that Nehemiah alone talks about. Jesus talks about focus a lot. Look over to Luke chapter 9. Jesus brings this up a lot. This is not a, a... 
a non-Jesus kind of an idea. This idea of focus actually is a very important concept that he teaches about following him. That if you're going to follow me, if you're going to follow me effectively, you're going to have to be focused. In Luke chapter 9, in verse 63. Well, let's pick it up in verse 57 to catch context of, of what uh, he says there in 63. And starting in verse 57. You guys there? Okay, I'm, 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 I'm looking at my teenagers, making sure they're following, get their Bibles open. Don't want no foreheads and, and hands here. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I'll follow you wherever you go. Well, that sounds good, doesn't it? So, hey, he, that's how, man, that ought to be what we want. Jesus replied, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay His head. Wow. Jesus didn't exactly say, hip, hip, hooray. Yeah. This, guy said, this guy says, I want to follow you. And Jesus said, well, you better think about it, dude. Because it's not going to be easy along the road that you're talking about going on. He said to another man, so he, Jesus turns and says to this guy, so Jesus initiates the conversation here, says, follow me. The man replied, Lord, first let me go bury my father. Apparently his father just died. Tragedy in his life. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go proclaim the kingdom of God. Whoa! Whoa! This is not soft, cuddly Jesus right here. This is hardline Jesus. There's more important things than burying your father. You need to get about your life and accomplishing the spiritual goals that you want to have in your life. Still another one said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And then here's where we get to verse 62 on focus. Jesus replied, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Jesus believed in focus. He said, if you're going to follow me, I expect you to be and remain focused. You know, this is the time of year when most people have, uh, you know, they, they, they came out of the Christmas holiday, which includes New Year, and they made that big pledge, I'm going to get in shape. <laughs> And this is the time of year that the, the gym membership that they bought, that they used once, you know, the rest of the year, that the, the gym is making money on you. Because, you know, it's been about a month, been about six weeks, and all your, all your big talk and all your big ambition has account, uh, 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 brought you to nothing. You had a good idea. You even had a decent start. But after that, you quit. You hung it up. You were emotional, not convictional. You know, emotions are good servants. They're poor masters. Do your emotions run you? Or do your convictions run you? Do you do things because you feel like doing it? 
Or do you do things because you have decided to do it? Jesus here is talking about focus. You have got to be focused if you're going to follow Jesus. Look over to Luke 16 since you're in Luke. Luke 16 verse 13. Luke 16 verse 13. No servant can serve two masters. You either hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. This is talking about focus. What is your focus in life? You know what? Money is one of those things that we all have. I, you know, I've got uh, money in my, my wallet right now. Most of you have some money in your wallet, probably. If you don't, you have it uh, you know, the, via your debit card. You know, my son said to me once, he said, Dad, why do you carry cash? I never carry cash. I don't know. I might need you to buy something. <laughs> we said, well, you know, you can use your debit card for almost anything. But, you know, older people do things like that. Yeah. They carry cash, yeah. you know? Yeah. What a concept. They, 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 wear, they wear watches. Yeah. You know, teenagers don't wear watches. They have cell phones. And they just push the button and they get the time. And, and it's the time. You know, my, my time may be off. Uh, but the, their time is the time. I mean, it is, it is according to uh, whatever it's supposed to be according to. I mean, you know, it, it, it's a thing. All of us have money. Money's part of life. It's part of reality that we live in. Nothing wrong necessarily with money, but Jesus says clearly, you cannot serve. Your primary focus in life cannot be money and God. It will never work. One is going to have to be clearly the important part of your life, and the other is going to have to have a secondary place. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, does that mean money is bad? No, it doesn't at all. Money is neutral. Money is not the issue. The issue is us. The issue is our focus. The focus cannot be both. It has to either be one or the other. All of us know people in our life. It's not a stretch to know people that the most important thing in their life is money. All of us know people that the most important thing in their life is money. But if you're going to be a child of God, that cannot be what is the most important thing in your life. You have to have money. Money's part of life. It, to have a lot of money isn't wrong. It isn't sinful. There's a lot of people in the Bible that were extremely wealthy people. That were godly people. That were people of faith and lived lives that glorified God. It's not that money is wrong. It's not that having a lot of money is wrong. But the issue is, is your heart and your attitude toward your money and toward your life and what you value and what is important in life. And it cannot be money and God in an equal part in your life. You're either going to love one and hate the other. You're going to love the other one and hate the other one. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus calls us to have focus. What are you going to focus on? 
What is important to you? What do you sacrifice for? Jesus is not afraid to talk about focus. Look over to Revelation chapter 3. You know, just let me say this about all of us in life. Revelation chapter... uh, uh, Actually, let's start in chapter 2 and we'll get to chapter 3 in a minute. You know, all of us in life, uh, uh, there's things we can and we cannot control. You cannot control your talent level. In a sense of you sort of have what you have, your genetics and, and, and all that, you know, we, we only have so much uh, depending on what we, uh, uh, our parents gave us and God gave us through those uh, uh, natural causes that happened in our life. There's things about us we cannot change, we cannot control. There's things that we can control and that we can have uh, a control over and focus is one of them. You cannot control your talent. You can't control your focus. But what I find is that people who learn to control the focus in their life, it seems that they actually get more talented. Why do they make better grades? Is it because they're all of a sudden smarter? Maybe the difference is, is now... They decided to be focused. And because they are focused, all of a sudden, their ability seems to become more when in reality their ability was there all along. But the difference is, they began to be focused. As a college student, when I became a Christian, I made almost immediately much, much, much better grades. Why? Because I became a Christian. And I understood because I was a Christian that the Lord expected me to do the best with what I had. And so all of a sudden, studying wasn't just something I was doing to get a grade and to keep my parents off my back and, and, and those kind of things. All of a sudden, now studying became a part of me as a child of God that I'm doing the best I can because I am a Christian. And all of a sudden, I start making better grades. Did I get smarter or did I get focused? College students, I hope you're taking notes back there. (laughs) There are things we, you know, there's parts of life that you don't control. Becoming a Christian being focused isn't going to make you necessarily a taller person. (laughs) You're not going to go from 5'9 to 6'9. Because you became a Christian. I'm focused. Although I did hear that guy was in space for two years or a year or whatever it was. He grew two Chris told me he, he grew two inches. Whoa. And he was, he's a twin, I guess. And he was the same height as his twin when he went into space. And now he's two inches taller than his twin. You know? Some of us need to go in space for a year, you know? We'll we get a little taller. That's, that's staggering. But, you know, there's things that you can and the things that you cannot control. Revelation chapter 2, you can control this. Jesus here is talking to the church in Ephesus. In verse, uh, in verse 2, He says, I know your deeds. He said, I know what you've been doing. That you, uh, that you, uh, your, uh, you, uh, your deeds, you work hard, your perseverance. I know you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles or not, and found them to be false, and you have per- persevered and have endured hardship for My name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You've forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. 
He says, you have, you have lost your first love. You have lost your focus. And it's interesting, what does He tell them to do? Repent and do the things you did at first. Let me talk to the marrieds here. You say, well, my marriage isn't as good as it used to be. Well, start acting like you're dating again. Repent and do the things you did at first. Treat your wife the way you did when you were dating her. Treat your husband the way you did when you were dating him. Let's talk about your Christian life. Let's say your Christian life. Maybe this description here that you've lost some of your your fire and passion. You've lost your first love. What should you do? Act like you did when you first became a Christian. Come to church and and look at the church the way you did when you first became a Christian. You remember? Young Christians are always great. You know what the church is to young Christians? Awesome! The church is awesome! You know what the church is to people who have been Christians sometimes for a long time? (laughs) Not awesome! (laughs) Repent and do the things you did at first. You say, well, I I don't know if 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 I can do that. I am so annoyed at my husband! Well, my guess is if you'd have been that annoyed with him, you'd have never married him. Perhaps he's annoying. And perhaps you're bitter. The likelihood of your husband becoming a person that is never annoying is zero (laughs) percent. As a husband, as a man, as a person, as a minister standing before you, it is without a doubt I am annoying. I annoy Chris, no doubt about it. I annoy you as your minister, no doubt about it. The chances that I'm going to become perfect are zero. And if you were waiting for your husband to become an unannoying person for you to get over your bitterness... You will never get over your bitterness. Getting over your business is your business, not his. You understand what I'm saying? See, there's some things in life you can control. There's other things you can't. If you think you can control your wife, you are nuts. Crazy nuts. That is never, ever going to happen. You are never going to control your wife. The only person you have control over is you. And you better get busy dealing with you, if you understand what I'm saying. 
Because you can't control that, you can't control other things. So you can control, Jesus says, repent and do the things you did first. Look over to Revelation 3. He's talking to another church here, Laodicea. He's talked to them. He says in verse 15, I know your deeds, that you're neither hot nor cold. I wish you either one or the other. So because you're lukewarm, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Jesus said, you are... Uh, like eating something that's awful. I gotta tell you, my wife made some, some lamb chops the other night, and they were awful. They were bad. She would admit it. That's true, see? I've got a witness right here. They were bad, man. There was more fat and more bone in, in that lamb chop than there was anything else. Yuck! 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 I didn't even feel good about giving that to my dogs. It was bad, bad, bad. It was a swing and a miss. And and you know what? And, and you know what? When you have you have something like that, you just like yuck, yeah. Jesus says you're lukewarm. You're neither hot nor cold. I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Yeah. This is, this is Jesus' description of people that are in this in-between world. Neither hot nor cold. Yeah. I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say I'm rich? He said, this is what you say. I'm rich. I've acquired wealth and I don't need a thing. But you don't realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Well, you say you're rich and you got everything. What you don't realize is you're standing there buck naked. And you don't, you don't even have the brains figured out. You've lost your sensitivity. You're pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy for me gold refined by the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can become uh, cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. All their problems can be fixed. They're not gone. All their problems are fixable. Their eyes, their clothes, their wealthiness, all of it can be fixed. Jesus says, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. Change. Jesus is, I mean, I'm trying to help you understand and look at these passages. Jesus understands the idea of focus. He expects us to be focused. He knows you expect us to be perfect. He knows that we never will be. Jesus does not expect perfection from you or me. Thank God, right? Hallelujah! I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to be better than anybody else. But I have to be focused. I have to do the best with what I have. You understand what I'm saying? Now let's think about this in a practical way. I'll give you, before we get to that, I'll give you a good quote. Talking about heart. Talking about focus here. It's not the size of the fighter in in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the fighter. You cannot control many things about you. But you can control your focus. You can control your heart. Okay, now let me leave you with some practicals. The great commandment is Matthew 22, 37-40. The guy comes to Jesus and says, What's the greatest commandment? Jesus said, The greatest commandment is the love of the Lord your God with what? 
all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, strength. All your heart. That's just another way of saying focus. Jesus expects you and me to be focused. You need to be a focused person. You don't need to be drifting around. What are you trying to do? I'm trying to love God with all my heart. That shouldn't be unclear. There shouldn't be some, oh, I don't know the answer to that question. This is not higher math. This is not trigonometry. This is not what's the capital of Wisconsin. Oh, I don't know. This should be crystal clear. Box car letter clear. For every single one of us. I'm trying to love God with all my heart and I'm focused on it. You understand what I'm saying? Secondly, the Great Commission is to go into all the world and make disciples of all, all nations. That should be clear to us as a Christian. I want other people to be saved. I want other people to come to salvation. I want the, the, the salvation that Jesus uh, has, has provided to reach to them. And I know that I'm part of that process. And I want people to be saved. I want others to know Christ. I want others to know what I know. I want Jesus to come into their life. There should be no lack of clarity. What is your purpose as a Christian? Your purpose is to love God with all your heart and to make sure that the Gospel goes into all the world. It shouldn't be, okay, what are you trying to do as a Christian? Okay, well, I'm pretty sure I know that. I'm I'm supposed to love God with all my heart, and I'm supposed to be a part of the process that gets the Gospel out to the whole world to the best of my ability. You understand what I'm saying? And I want to be a part of that. I want to have an angle in that. I want to, I want to share my faith with someone that becomes a Christian. I want to reach out to someone, my family member, a, a neighbor, or a person I don't even know that I met in 7-Eleven. I want someone to become a Christian because of my efforts and things that I do in my life. You understand what I'm saying? This is a focus issue in our life. Now, I want, to, I want to end where I started. How to build your wall? Focus. Your wall. It's your life. It's not my life. It's your life. We're going to all stand before God on judgment. And we're going to answer for our life. You don't answer for me. I sort of answer for you as a, as a pastor. That, that's a part of my responsibility that's a little heavier, if you understand what I'm saying. And that's part of what I'll be judged by. But intimately, there's no difference between me and you. I'm going to answer for my life. You're going to answer for your life. What did we do? The key to being your best Focus. You don't have to be better than anybody else. It is not a competition. The, the, the goal is not to be the better of, of, of you and the person sitting in front of you or behind you or next to you. It's not a competition. You're not trying to be better than them. If they do awesome, that's wonderful. If you do better than them, that's wonderful. If you don't do as much as them by a worldly uh, sense of competition, that's fine too. You're trying to be the best you you can be. All I have to be is the best Marty I can be. I don't have to be as smart as Dave Lim. Hallelujah. Because that isn't going to happen.
You understand what I'm saying? I don't have to be as good looking as... (laughs) Y'all were wondering who I was going to say. It's not important. I, I just need to be the best me I can be. Not a competition. Yeah, yeah, you understand what we're going from here. And then that title that I like the most. Imagine what you could do if you were focused. Where would your life be in the five years that we're talking about going forward? Imagine what you could do. The degrees that could be earned in this place. The marriages that could take place. The families that could be raised. Imagine what you could do. The children that could be saved. The souls in our community that could be saved. The poor in the community that could be ministered to. Imagine what you could do if you would be focused. Let's be like Nehemiah. And let's say, listen, my life is about a great project. And I don't have any time to go down to Ono and talk to you. Say Ono to Ono. You don't have time to go to Ono because your life is carrying on a great project. Hope you've enjoyed our study from uh, Nehemiah's life here today. Have a great week. You are dismissed.